Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Yeah, quick atmosphere down here at Barasti as there has been throughout the course of the day. The Rugby World Cup is pulling them in. The punters, that is, uh, from nice and early in the morning into the wee small hours of the morning again. So you need a bit of stamina these days to consume your sports. Uh, if not, keep it locked here on Dubai, I win a 3.8. Danny Norton's watching the football for us. I am certainly, and it should be Liverpool 2, Sheffield United 0, but it still remains Liverpool 1, Sheffield United 0. And it's thanks to the Sheffield United goalkeeper, Dean Henderson, who has made up somewhat for his howler from just a matter of moments ago with a tremendous save from Mohamed Salah, who's through on goal. It looked... It looked like it was going to be an absolutely guaranteed goal from Mohamed Salah, but he just couldn't slot it past the Sheffield United number one, who, like I say, going some distance to making up for an absolute howler he had around about 10 minutes ago when he let Gini Adam shot from the edge of the area underneath his body and to creep over the line to give Liverpool a very fortuitous and somewhat undeserved lead here at Bramall Lane so Liverpool 1 Sheffield United nil after 78 minutes what's happening in the Formula 1 uh, let's get over to qualifying CBR what I can tell you is there's about two minutes left and it's a battle of the Ferraris it's Vettel taking on Leclerc and what I can tell you at this moment it is Leclerc that has posed the fastest time of course he's going for his sixth pole position of the season and what a second half of the season this young man from Monaco is having. What I can tell you now, it's Ferrari 1-2, it's Leclerc Vettel, it's then followed by Hamilton of Mercedes and uh, Valtteri Bordas, then it is Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. As I said, just about one and a half minutes still left. Once that final qualifying is in, I will give you an update on it. Uh, one man who's an, ab an absolute shocker uh, going out in the first of the qualifying, uh, the Toro Rosso driver Daniel Kvyat, which is a shame given the fact that he's Russian and it's his home Grand Prix as well. Uh, Kvyat gives us the uh, once-over on what it's like to drive the Russian Formula One circuit. Hi, I'm Daniel Kvyat and I will take you around in the Sochi Autodrome lab. We are getting prepared for the lap in Sochi. Important to get a clean start to it, to because the straight is very long afterwards. And uh, yeah, using the DRS in this zone, uh, good spot for overtaking. I would say the main point. The brake into turn two, what we call it, is very hard. At the same time, you need to focus on a good exit. Again, because it's a very very long corner. Here's my grandstand on the right. This corner is quite easy flat and uh, we just make sure we prepare this turn four right, hit the apex nicely and uh, good exit. And now again another braking, a bit of tricky braking as we go a bit uphill, downhill. These corners here are all quite similar between themselves. You need to carry a good amount of speed, it's 90 degrees corners. Let's make sure you get the exit right as well, this corner is quite fast. And this is another 90 degree corner and important to get a good exit here because the straight is very long afterwards again using the DRS for um, this long straight it can also be an overtaking possibility uh, braking and turning at the same time means a tricky braking and here the apex is important and uh, a bit of a tricky corner here can off banking so need to watch the rear chicane also can be quite tricky uh, important to get good exit and uh, the tyres are a bit 
hot in here already, so these two corners can be difficult with the oversteer, and uh, the last corner just needs to get it clean. The clock is ticking down in qualifying. Have there been any changes to those places? CVR's watching on intently. Tom, what I can tell you is it is the man from Monaco, Charles Leclerc, that has once again qualified fastest in Russia. It's his sixth pole position of the season, and I tell you what, what a challenge this young man has laid on Formula One. It's Lewis Hamilton, reigning Formula One champion in second position. And Leclerc's teammate, Sebastian Vettel, they make up the top three for tomorrow's Russian Grand Prix. Extraordinary year this year, isn't it, in Formula One? I mean, we started off thinking, oh, here we go again. Mercedes, Hamilton, doing all that again. The, the, the story of Charles Leclerc has just been extraordinary. It's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned earlier in the show, didn't you, talking about the Rugby Union World Cup. Yeah. There have been so many games that have been, to use that tired old cliche, a game of two halves. And we've had almost, we're seeing a bit of a season of two halves in the Formula One now, aren't we? Because Ferrari have won the last three races in a row, the first time since 2008 that the Prancing Course has done just that. And it's all been about Charles Leclerc. I mean, he didn't get the victory last time out in Singapore, but that was after team orders have basically ordered him to let Sebastian Vettel take the victory instead. I think it's very harsh on, on the youngster who has been by far the better driver this year. Sebastian Vettel will be making many, many mistakes, far more than we're used to seeing from the German. Leclerc has been a few mistakes here and there, but for a young, relatively inexperienced driver, driving the famous red for the first time has been pretty faultless. And it's surprising here, isn't it, in Sochi, a, a place that's been dominated by Mercedes uh, down the years, to see Ferrari once again dominating the qualifying so I think it's good news though for Formula One I think Hamilton is still too far away to be caused I think the championship race is, is certainly all over but just think it was a, you know something to kind of look forward to each race week race weekend where we're not going to see the same result which is basically a, a Mercedes 1-2 we can we count uh, Russian Grand Prix being an establishment of the Grand Prix uh, circuit in recent years large financial investment by Russia into Formula One uh, which always helps uh, when retaining your race. But also, I mean, a number of the programmes have seen a number of drivers come through. Danny Kvyat is, is one of those sort of standout drivers. No shortage of drivers competing for spaces over in Russia. When do you reckon it'll be before we see a, a Russian driver with one of the big teams competing at the very top? Yeah, Tom, I think it's, it's, it's going to be quite interesting to see who gets what seats next season. And uh, we know how, how quickly you can move up the picking order. I mean, Leclerc was racing for Toro Rosso, of course, last season. And uh, he was doing all right. And all of a sudden, he's now got a team that's giving him the car that he needs. And, and he's starting to dominate. And I think, you know, you, you spoke about the young Russian driver a little bit earlier on. If, if things kind of go his way, there's a lot of talk now. What will happen to Sebastian Vettel? Will he continue in Formula 1 uh, in, uh, next year? Damo Reed, a good friend of the show, is saying that the rumours out there at this moment is that Sebastian Vettel will leave Formula 1. So to answer your question, I think it's just a matter of time, to be perfectly honest. Gets the right seat, gets into the right car. But I think what's really been fantastic for Formula 1 this year is to see Ferrari competitive again. Because when Ferrari is competitive, Formula 1 is a much better sport. At the Russian Grand Prix tomorrow, lot to look forward to. It's a race that's thrown up no shortage of storylines in the past. So there's contact at the back. The two Red Bulls that are getting tangled up. It's a heavy contact, a Red Bull into the back of the Ferrari. So there's a spin. There is a spinning Ferrari of Sebastian Vettel, and he is out at the first corner and the first braking zone of this Russian Grand Prix. Oh, there he goes. Right. Now, he's, now you can tell he's already got a puncture. So he turns his right rear puncture. Oh, he's round again. Oh, I'm out.
out, crash, somebody hit me in the rear, turn two, and then somebody hit me in the rear again in turn three, for sake. This is 100% young Danny Kvyat's fault. Williams and Ferrari have their men in contention now. Raikkonen goes down the inside. He touches Valtteri Bottas. Bottas out of this race. Raikkonen with damage. Sergio Perez accepts back the third place that he held for so long. And it was a do-or-die move for Kimi Raikkonen that will be celebrated down at Force India. But there will be major, major uh, discussions at Ferrari and at Williams. Very disappointing it ended up like this. So... uh... I was not expecting a move like this from him, but uh, yeah, now it's it's done and uh, I have zero points, so just very disappointed. Sebastian oh, Vettel for Ben Hamilton, and Hamilton is coming back at him, and he's got a great toe. Oh, and he wanted to go down the inside, but there wasn't room, and at the last moment just had to back off. How they didn't touch there, I don't know. But Hamilton's going for it again towards turn four. Has he got enough on the Ferrari? Underbreaking the squeeze down the inside. Hamilton's done it. Lewis Hamilton gets past Sebastian Vettel the second time of asking. That was brilliant racing. Now this this here, Hamilton having to, to get out of that move, but he regained his composure to move down the inside at turn four. Carlos Sainz had a huge crash in practice three. It was a heavy impact with the barriers. The rear of his car snapped to the right. From then on, Sainz was just a passenger. Carlos had some back and neck pain, but was later discharged from hospital. So you need to let Lewis Bond into turn 13 this lap. Valtteri Bottas has just let Lewis Hamilton pass. I just saw Toto Wolff's finger loitering on the tactical button. Did he send the message to his strategist to say, now's the time to let Lewis Hamilton pass? That's team orders right there and then. I can understand how difficult it was for Valtteri, but really he did a fantastic job today and deserved to, to, to win. Whilst it doesn't feel spectacular, and I know he's going to do great in following races to come. Live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Game on, game on, game on. Regulation time is concluded. The 90 minutes are up. Sheffield United against Liverpool. Just one of many games ongoing. Danny Norton. And it is 1-0 to Liverpool. We've just seen the, uh, the board up now. Four minutes of added time here. Four minutes for Sheffield United to get what I think I'd have to say would be a richly deserved point from this early kickoff in the Premier League. Genie Wijnaldum gave Liverpool a lead after 70 minutes after his shot from just on the edge of the penalty area. It was a low shot going straight into the keeper's arms. But Henderson in the Sheffield United goal let it fumble through his hands, through his legs and just across the line. A very fortuitous lucky goal for Jurgen Klopp's men who've been basically completely off the pace today. A lot of passes have gone astray. It's not been a vintage performance by any means from Liverpool. But huge credit to that has to go to Sheffield United, their hosts at Bramall Lane, who have played 
quite magnificently and should really have been level around about five minutes ago when Clark, the substitute, Leon Clark, on four, uh, Norwood, as uh, Sheffield United chased the game with three up top. He was played in by a wonderful whipping cross from the left-hand side from Fleck. He got a foot on to it, but just put it over the bar. So Liverpool have been clinging on. They've had chances themselves to double their lead. Salah with the main culprit missing a couple of golden opportunities. So with just two minutes now remaining in stoppage time, it remains Liverpool 1 at Sheffield United 0. Uh, that uh, one goal for uh, that one uh, Leon own goal uh, separates Leon and Nant Mancal with the own goal. Uh, 84 minutes on the clock down there in France. Juventus just kicked off against uh, Spal. No goals in that one to report Valencia with the points a little earlier on against Athletic Bilbao. Have been a goal though uh, down in the Championship. There certainly has, yes, where Queen's Park Rangers are hosting West Bromwich Albion and West Brom are now two goals to nil up at their Championship rivals. It looks like they are heading to the top of the Championship for the time being at least anyway. And Matias Pereira stood over a free kick that was given after Johan Barbe was sent off for a professional foul on the edge of the area, bringing down the unmarked and onrushing Hal robson Carnu just outside of the box there. But Pereira with whipping the free kick into the goal. It was a poor organisation from the QPR wall. They left a big gap in the wall and Pereira sent it through and passed Joe Lumley in the Rangers net. QPR nil, West Brom 2 in the Championship. It's silly season in the world of golf. You know what that means? It means the Alfred Dunhill. The Alfred Dunhill is played on iconic links courses around St Andrews, with celebrities alongside the pros throughout. We went along to learn more about one of the most unusual events on tour. There's no other sport where you get to play, or the amateurs get to play with a professional in their, in their job, in their chosen sport. So, um, like in football, you can't just come off the bench and go and play with, with Man United, you know. So, for the, for the amateurs to come here and play with us and us to play with amateurs in a tournament at, at, at say, St Andrews as well, um, it's pretty special. Well, it's relaxing. You're obviously playing at three great golf courses. Um, you know, it's a fun atmosphere amongst the, the amateurs and, uh, and the pros. Um, it's a little bit more of a relaxed feeling. You know, I think this is a, a good event any to, to make a comeback, and uh, I'm certainly excited to be here and competing again. Well, it's nice. It's nice to come here. You know, play uh, three great golf courses here. You know, and I play Carnos to play here and the home of golf in San Andreas, and I play Kingsborough. And I've been for so many years, and I'd be for once to play here, you know. I think it's uh, it's everything. It's obviously the format, the fact that we we get to play with uh, with so many different personalities and with with people that don't do our job, and they're they're here to to enjoy golf and uh, and of course to enjoy this special place. I mean, we're on the first of St Andrews, so that makes it that makes it special just by itself. So I think it's uh, lots of different things, but. I, I guess where we are makes it really special. Some familiar names rub shoulders with the pros. Bill Murray is a regular here. And his fellow actor Hugh Grant also loves his golf. A member at Sunningdale with a single-figure handicap, Grant is pretty useful out on course. He may not be quite in the same category as Grant in terms of star appeal or golfing ability, but TV presenter Piers Morgan was willing to talk to us. When you play with these guys, it's effortless for them. Um, but for them, it's a business, you know, it's their livelihoods, and I think that it's a serious thing for them. And for an amateur to be able to play with professionals where they are really trying to win millions of pounds is a unique experience, and you can't get that in any sport in the world. It would be like playing tennis with Roger Federer or cricket with... 
you know, Ian Botham or football with Lionel Messi. You don't get that chance in other sports. So here you get to play alongside the best golfers in the world in the greatest golf courses in the world and you're playing in a real competition. It's, it's extraordinary. Fresh from his Ryder Cup exploits, Tyrrell Hatton has good reason to love the Alfred Dunhill. After all, he'd won it two years running. It's more relaxed than any other tournament that we play throughout the year. It's obviously good fun to um, have the amateurs with us um, and it's, it's a special week for everyone, so you just try and enjoy it and uh, we're playing three fantastic golf courses. Yeah, I think with the whole it being slightly more relaxed probably helps me a bit. It should be should be good fun and hopefully we can do well. I, I have a lot of memories. This was actually, when I was playing on Challenge Tour, this was the only tour event I played that year. Uh, so that was in 2011 um, and I finished fifth. Um, I played with Harrington in the last round. It was at the time like one of my heroes. Still is, by the way, but at the time it was like a big thing. I never spent time with him. So that was like one of my finest memories. I play with the same guy, Bier Ogden, I've played with like seven years now. Um, but from the courses to the people that you see just once a year, um, it's, it's very special and it's a very special atmosphere and like a unique tournament that I think is fantastic. Both Fleetwood and Hatton were in contention on the final day, but in difficult conditions, their efforts in recent weeks gradually told. Hatton dropped four shots on the back nine to finish in a share of second with his Ryder Cup teammate as Denmark's Lucas Biergaard came through to claim the title by a stroke. But for all concerned, both pros and amateurs alike, it had been another memorable Alfred Dunhill links. Not often that Justin Rose on a golf course is, uh, well, not the only Justin uh, to be making headlines for them. And Timberlake's down there as well for this one. I tell you what, the Timber Snake, he's a very good golfer. Is he? I, um, yeah, I, I think he's, he's low single digit. So really? He, he really is a very, very talented golfer. And as you say, Tom, Quite a unique tournament. Played on three unique golf courses, if we can put it as such. And they're playing for a cool £4.4 million. So uh, a nice uh, little purse that they're playing for. And uh, you heard Biergaard. Biergaard once again in contention. He's at 16 under par. He's one shot off the lead. The leader there is Englishman Paul Waring. He's at 17 under, followed by Matthew Jordan at 16 under. Tony Finau also tied in second on 16 under. Then some other notable names. Uh, Terrell Hatton that you just heard, he's tied 12th at the moment on 14 under par. Luke Donald, whoa, the kind of forgotten man of golf, if you want to put it as such. He is in there at 15 under par as well. Justin Rose, that you just mentioned, 13 under par, four shots off the lead, tied 15th at the moment. Matthew Fitzpatrick, of course, former Race to Dubai winner, he's sitting there at 12 under par. And then British Open champion Shane Lowry is at 11 under par. Got some work to do, he's six shots off the lead. Uh, what's been happening in the world of NFL? We're into week three of NFL. One game completed already. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So the Philadelphia Eagles defeating the Green Bay Packers 34 points to 27. They picked off a late Aaron Rodgers throw to seal this victory. It takes the Eagles to 2-2 two and two for the season, whereas that's the first defeat for the Green Bay Packers. Plenty of games to look forward to this weekend. Tomorrow you see the New York Giants taking on the Washington Redskins, the Detroit Lions taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, Falcons against the Titans, Ravens taking on the Browns, the Colts taking on the Raiders, the Bills against the Patriots, Texans, Panthers, Dolphins, Chargers, the Rams facing the Buccaneers, and the Seahawks against the Cardinals on Monday night. Uh, MLB coming to conclusion at the moment as well, that's Major League Baseball. All but one of the division races have been settled in Major League Baseball at the moment. National League Central, the only one still uh, up and running, so we'll keep an eye on that one for you. NRL Grand Final 
next weekend uh, down uh, under in Australia. And talking of grand finals, what about this one? Uh, a little earlier on today, the, uh, the AFL, the Australian Football League's uh, grand final came to a rather significant finish. This is how it was reported. Alyssa, Richmond have won the AFL grand final. Oh, haven't they just? And they did it quite easily, that is for sure, over Greater Western Sydney. The final score, 114 to 25 at the MCG. More than 100,000 fans packed it out. Uh, 100,014 to be exact. But the 89-point thrashing. Oh, wow. It is the lowest grand final score since 1960. Can you believe it? Jack Rewalt stood tall for Richmond with five goals and 13 disposals. And Dusty Martin was at his absolute best. Four goals and 22 possessions. Outstanding from him. Likely to take the Norm Smith medal. But what about the AFL debutante, Marlon Pickett, 27 years of age. He spent two and a half years in prison during his teen years. Now he's come out and made played his first AFL game, kicked his first AFL goal as well. He was unbelievable in this game. Let's take a listen to what he had to say after the game. Yeah, I've been also on good win by Wills. Um, yeah, just did team thing. And you see, it seemed like it just was easy settling in. You found the tempo and what what an amazing game you played, Marlon. Yeah, thank you. All the credit to the boys. Yeah, good team effort. What's your little daughter's name here? Um, Shaniqua. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy the celebrations tonight. How good's Dad? He's awesome. Well done, mate. Congratulations. A couple of figures to pick up on this one, boys. Uh, <laughs> let's start with the the, 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 the the end score. 114 to 25. I think, does that constitute convincing? Convincing win, yeah? <laughs> just, about, just about, yeah. Just about win. Uh, but, I mean, I think great Western Sydney Giants and my extremely limited AFL uh, knowledge. I think they were a bit of a, a surprise package oh. to get to the final, beating Brisbane in in the uh, in the semis and that to get there I think first and foremost yeah. was a huge small, achievement for them. Small so club, you know, so them get to the final was was exactly, their final. Exactly. So I mean like you know not quite the final that we would would hope to see, you know, like I say, you don't know too much about AFL but I've, I I do enjoy watching the games because it always seems to be end to end. They've always seems to be really exciting and one day I'll find out exactly what the rules are. Well but there we go. Congratulations to Richmond. Funny you should say that because uh, what would they say there? What was it, hundred and fourteen thousand or something in, in they they do crowd well the Aussies that's for sure they know how to pack in a stadium but you me I'm particularly sure Carlos as well little bit uh, grey when it comes to all things Aussie rules uh, Aussie rules rules so what are the rules it's got running now they're starting to run it's got kicking the crowd willing him on Phil Shirley will he like kick it anyway he has it's got phone on phone hits without pads No, it's not rugby. It's Australian football, although you might hear it called Aussie rules or even footy. This is Australia's biggest sport and is now played professionally by 18 teams in the AFL. It has the fourth highest average attendance of any domestic sports league in the world. These are some serious fans. What do you say we talk basics? Aussie Rules is played on a football field probably bigger than any you've ever seen, with an egg-shaped ball that takes some crazy bounces. Each team consists of 18 players on the field and four on the bench. Tremendous athletes, these players are basketball-sized 
with the hands and foot speed of an NFL wide receiver and stamina greater than a soccer player. This is interesting. It's a main event in any stadium in the world. The game starts with a center bounce, a bit like a basketball jump ball. The basic object of the game, like American football, is to move the ball down the field and score. Wants to go all the way from 45. Polya gets it back with it a goal. You can move the ball three ways. Running, but you have to bounce it every 16 yards. Using your fist to hit it forward. This is called a handball. Another skill unique to Aussie rules. Nice running. Ellis was involved as well. Frost home started it all and drills at home. And of course, the most common way is kicking it. I know it's full fall. It's a river. Like a quarterback using feet instead of hands, these guys can hit a teammate on the run at 50 yards. If the kick is a little high, a player may have to jump and make a spectacular catch. This is called a mark. And believe it or not, you can use the opponent as a springboard for jumping. If you take a mark, you can keep going, or you can stop on the spot and take an unimpeded kick. Glorious kick! Once in scoring position, the idea is to kick the ball through the two large upright posts. That's a goal and worth six points. Here's left foot. Whoa, that is repertoire! If you hit the post... ...or send it between the big post and the outer lower post, it's worth one point and is called a behind. A final scoreline might look something like this. By the way, there's no offside rule. Don't get us wrong, there are positions. Defenders defend. Forwards go forward. And midfielders, yep, play in midfield. This is better from Hawthorne. We know what a good kick he is, but he sets Hill up the line outside. He goes back into Hale. 70 metres out, too far to score. Gives off here to Suckling. Suckling with a low belter. Players come in all shapes and sizes. The Fremantle Dockers have 5'8 Hayden Ballantyne, 6'3 Nate Fife, and 7-footer Aaron Sandilands. You can tackle hard, but not too high or low. It has to be between the shoulders and the knees. There are four quarters of 20 minutes, but like soccer, time is added on for stoppages of play. The extra time can be as much as 10 additional minutes. AFL teams play 22 regular season games. The top eight teams make the playoffs, or as they're called in Australia, the finals. Eventually, two teams meet in the championship game or the grand final. It's Australia's Super Bowl and is played every year in the magnificent Melbourne Cricket Ground in front of 90,000 plus. It's a big deal. And there we go. Opening bounce. Kennedy. Long kick. Goal. First of the grand final. Good looking kick. He's got it. Franklin. Oh, yes, he has. Melchersky run down, holding the footy. 
Langford running hard. You'll fancy this. It's got enough. It's a goal. The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Let's find out what's been going on in the world of sport today. Let's go over to the world of Formula One, Carlito's way. Carlos, who's come out on top? Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you, it's the young Ferrari driver, the man from Monaco, Charles Leclerc, has once again set his sixth pole position of the season. He was the fastest today in Russia at 133.613. He was followed by Mercedes' Lewis Hamilton, the current world champion, and then by his teammate Sebastian Vettel. So Ferrari have got two cars in the top three. Max Verstappen of Red Bull is in fourth. Valtteri Bottas fifth. Carlos Sainz Jr. sixth. Nico Hulkenberg seventh. Lando Norris, a very good position for Lando Norris. Of course, McLaren announcing today that they will be signing Mercedes-Benz as their engine supplier for 2024. Romain Grosjean and then, of course, Australian Daniel Ricciardo in 10th position. Uh, Leon have been beaten by Nantes uh, at home. Nantes with the only goal of the game. Uh, finished 1-0 in that one. Next game underway at 7.30. Bordeaux against the big guns. PSG are in action. Talking of big guns, Juve, Juventus. Uh, Uwe are in action as we speak against Spal. No goals after 35 minutes in that. The first of three games in Italian Serie A. Uh, Sampdoria taking on Inter and Sassuolo at home to Atalanta a little later on. Uh, five games underway in German Bundesliga. No goals to report on that one. Bayern Munich are in action against Paderborn, one of the newly promoted sides in that one. Borussia Dortmund against Werder Bremen is your late kickoff. One game has concluded over in Spain. Valencia with the goals against, uh, with the uh, points against Athletic Bilbao. We're waiting for Barcelona to kick off. They're away at Getafe. That one at six o'clock. Uh, let's turn our attention now to uh, the other games that have concluded. We heard from Danny Norton earlier that Liverpool have uh, taken the three points away at Sheffield United. Uh, how many points clear now at the top of the table? Eight points clear. Could be cut down to five if Man City win later, but the pressure back onto Pep Guardiola's men. Seven wins from seven for Jurgen Klopp's side, although I have to say a very fortuitous victory for them today. It wasn't a great performance by any stretch of the imagination, but I suppose the only thing that they really care about at the end of the day is getting those three points, which is what they did at Bramble Lane. Hibs against Celtic, they shared the points there, one apiece, it finished there. And West Brom, another away win uh, for the Pools today. 2-0 winners at QPR. Well, that means uh, we can turn our attention to the six o'clock kickoffs in the Premier League. Six games kicking off at six o'clock local time here in the UAE. And Danny Norton, Tottenham against uh, Southampton, probably one of the feature games. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I think it's a cracking day of Premier League action. All the games today have uh, kind of... And you know some elements, you know some talking points, some drama surrounding them, and certainly for Tottenham Hotspur as well, who for the first time you'd have to say Mauricio Pochettino under a little bit of uh, pressure. Obviously had that League Cup defeat to lower league Colchester in midweek. That followed on from that two-one defeat that they had at Leicester City last weekend. That followed on itself from a, a two-all draw at Olympiacos when they gave away that two-goal lead. So it's not been a great few weeks for uh, Tottenham Hotspur, for the Champions League finalists. So quite a bit of pressure for them heading in to this game at their new stadium, at home to Southampton. Of course, Mauricio Pochettino's former side here. We've got the team news here. Hugo Lloris returns in goal after missing the defeat by Leicester due to the birth of his third child. Christian Eriksen is the other change to the side that lost in the Premier League last Sunday. Eric Lamella drops to the bench in place of Eriksen. So the Spurs 11, Lloris in goal, Uria right back, Rose at left back, either side of Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Harry Wings sitting in front of them with Sissoko and Ndombele either side of him and Eriksen is the man sitting in behind Harry Kane and Son up top. Ralph Hesselhutton 
uh, making three changes to the side that lost to Bournemouth. Yoshida, Bertrand and Danny Ings, they all come in for Vestergaard, Danzo and Che Adams. They're 11, good in goal. Suarez and Bendanak and Yoshida and Bertrand is the back four. Romelu and Hoiberg, the centre midfielders with Ward-Prowse and Buffal either side of them with Rebben playing just off Danny Ings up top. So like I say, a lot of pressure has been on Tottenham as well. And a lot of this apparently is down to the transfer speculation. And that's according to Spurs captain Harry Kane who says it has affected the squad. I think obviously in the transfer window just gone there was players who, who maybe wanted to, to leave or obviously it's public knowledge that, uh, knowledge there was players close to going and then and staying and so it's never easy when you have a situation like that but now that's kind of shut that's closed uh, we all just want to move in the right direction whoever's playing on the pitch has to give everything for the club uh, and that's all we can ask for so uh, you have to kind of put your individual needs to, to one side yeah, make sure you're performing at, at the highest level because at the end of the day, that's going to help your individual status anyway. So no doubt at the moment, Tottenham Hotspur having a little bit of a wobble, but the Southampton match manager, Ralph Hassenhuttle, has compared Saturday's meeting, Saturday's opponents, today's opponents, uh, as to facing something of a wounded boxer. Yeah, but uh, as always, uh, like a boxer, when he's knocked a little bit, uh, it's maybe more dangerous so pay attention it's it's this teams with this quality they showed it against crystal palace they have also lost i think the game before and then they were unbelievable at home so it's never an advantage against a big team if they're struggling because you have you always uh, be aware of the quality they have and uh, so we expect the most difficult opponent that we can we can imagine and uh, this would be, I think. That's just one of five, uh, sorry, six games kicking off at six o'clock local time here in the UA. It's been shown live down here. All the games been shown live down here at Barasti, including Chelsea against Brighton. Question mark around N'Golo Kante's participation in this one. There certainly is, and that's the big headline news is that he is out with a hamstring problem. So Frank Lampard has been forced to make three changes from last weekend's 2-1 defeat at home to Liverpool. Ross Barkley, Pedro and Marcus Alonso are the men to come in. Uh, Matteo Kovacic and the injured Emerson are also out alongside Kante from that defeat at home to Liverpool. So Kepa starting in goal as you would expect. Asbil Lequeta is at right back. Christiansen, Tamori, the two centre-backs with Alonso at left back. You got Jorginho starting in central midfield alongside Ross Barkley and then it's three behind the striker Tammy Abraham. Those three being William, Pedro and Mason Mount. Brighton on the other, on the other hand, they completely changed from their lineup that started in the League Cup defeat to Aston Villa on Wednesday. And there's one change from last weekend's goalless draw with Newcastle. Proper misses out for the first time in the league this season with Basuma taking his place. You've got Ryan in goal, Webster, Dunk and Burnus the back three with Basuma and Steving sitting in front of them. Montoya on the right, Alzate on the left with Gross and Moy either side of Mupai up front. And it's going to be an interesting one this thing. Chelsea is certainly going to be one of the most exciting teams so far. Uh, they have been so far this season. I think they'll continue to be so for the rest of the campaign. Only only Liverpool and Man City have scored more goals than Chelsea, but they've been conceding quite a few as well. But I would expect Chelsea to get their first home win of the season against Brighton this evening. Let's turn our attention to all the Ws. Wolves against Watford. I'm going to throw another W into the mix as well. Danny Welbeck getting his first Premier League start for Watford. Yeah, I'm going to throw another W that matters to these guys as well. Win. 
It's something that <laughs> neither of those teams have done so far this season. Will something give today? Well, it'll probably be a draw at the end of the day, won't it? But we will see anyway. So uh, no surprises for Wolverhampton Wanderers anyway. He makes uh, Nuno Espirito Santo makes one change to the side. The true at Crystal Palace last week. Neto replacing uh, Jota. So for Wolverhampton Wanderers, Patricio in goal, Bowley, Cody, and Sace as the back three. Doherty and Johnny are the two wing backs with Moutinho and Denonka in central midfielder in central midfield and you got Traore and Neto either side of Jimenez for Watford struggling Watford Foster starting goal Yamath Dawson Cathcart and Holobas as the back four cleverly Kapue and Decore the uh, three in central midfield with Delefeu Welbeck and Saar as the front three as they look to get that first win of the season to lift them off the bottom of the table and above today's opponents Turn our attention to Crystal Palace against Norwich. That's the next one. Uh, what about Roy Hodgson? Has he been forced into any changes? He has, unfortunately. As Mamadou Sacco misses out through injury. Uh, so just the one change from last weekend's draw with Wolverhampton Wanderers. Martin Kelly coming in to partner Gary Cahill at centre-half. So you got Ward at right-back, Kelly, Cahill and Van Arnhalt to the four in front of Guayata in the uh, in the Crystal Palace goal there. Wilfred Saha starts on the right-hand side. MacArthur, Mijelovic and Kiate on the midfield three with Schlupp on the left and Andre Ayew up front. For Norwich City, their injury list continues to grow quite quite astounding, their injury list that they are having to deal with at the moment. And that's forced their manager, Daniel Fark, to make three changes for the trip. Uh, goalkeeper Kim, Tim Krull and captain Alexander Tetti are both absent against Palace, which means that the uh, Schalke lonely Ralph Farman starts in goal and Maritza Nittler joins the midfield there. So the Norwich 11, Farman in goal, Aarons, Amadou, Godfrey and Lewis is the back four, Lettner and McLean in front of them with Buyunde, Stipperman and Countwell, the three behind the main man, Puki, up front. Uh, West Ham suffered a rather embarrassing defeat midweek uh, at the hands of Oxford that after the highs of beating Manchester United just a few days previous. Uh, what does that mean that Manuel Pellegrini is going to do with his team today? They're down on the south coast against Bournemouth. They certainly are taking on Bournemouth over in the... Uh, yeah, and, it, and this is a side, I mean, I know obviously it was a disappointing defeat for your guys, uh, Tom, in the League Cup in midweek, but these are two sides who are flying high in the Premier yeah. League at this moment in time. You know, I think you've got Bournemouth who are in sixth position, hosting West Ham in fifth, but you like, like you say... We're going to see a bit of a reaction from the Hammers following that uh, shock defeat to Oxford in midweek. Well, the team that they've gone for is Fabianski in goal. Fredericks is right back, Cresswell left back with Diop and Agbonna as the centre halves. You've got Yolomenko and Anderson as the wingers with Rice and a Noble in a central midfield alongside Forlons with Haller up front for Bournemouth. They're 11, 10 changes from their midweek win. Uh, sorry, midweek defeat, sorry, in the League Cup at Burton. We're reverting to that same side which started their victory last Friday at Southampton. So you've got Ramsdale in goal, Stacey Cook, Ake and Rico as the back four. You've got Harry Wilson, the Liverpool Loney, on the right-hand side. Uh, Billing and Lerma in the centre and King on the left with Slanky and Callum Wilson, the men starting up top for the Cherries. Uh, we will get uh, the team news for Villa against Burnley as and when it comes in. Uh, we won't get team news for Everton against Manchester City, though. Uh, not for a little while, that's for sure. Not for 7.30 this evening. Why? Because that's the late kickoff in the Premier League. Everton against City. Now, can your cross-City rivals do you a favour tonight? I'd love to think that they can, but I just can't see it happening, unfortunately. I think, you know, Everton are really struggling at the moment. There's uh, there's quite a bit of drama going on at Goodison Park. There's, 
there's unrest, shall we say, it's, like I said earlier on, a lot of my kind of blue nose friends not very happy with Marco Silva. I think many would be happy to see him go. You know, I think he's uh, he's one of the favourites to be the kind of first to be sat here anyway. So it remains to be seen uh, what happens there. But Marco Silva, he's been saying that they are learning from their mistakes, in particular their defensive mistakes. It's something they've been working on on the training ground. It's a teamwork, of course. Uh, no one is happy uh, when you consider the goals like we are considered. Well, you considered the last few games, but like I said before, of course we change one or two things if you compare with the, the last last season but we and they are almost the same players um, that they were 13 games with 10 clean sheets um, they were the same last season uh, with uh, the fourth best defense in Premier League the fourth the fourth um, team with less goals considered Premier League last last season and we we achieved that uh, working hard improving learning from the the not so good things we did, um, learning from some mistakes, and of course after we settled everything, um, we didn't expect because we started again in a good, good spot. Didn't consider the first two goals, uh, but suddenly come we start considering some goals and some of them uh, sloppy, but they are already done. Um, we work on that, we analyze, and um, we are working to don't do again the same and to keep improving uh, to become a solid team. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Tweet the team at Dubai Eye Sport. Halftime over in Italy. Serie A early kickoff over there is Juventus against Spal. What's happening there? Well, Spal, the bottom of the table, Serie A side, were kind of keeping their more illustrious opponents, the Italian champions, out and not to be getting into halftime goalless until Marian Pjanic pounced onto a uh, ball that was bobbling alongside the field and hit an absolute screamer from just outside the area that curled right into the top corner. So it's Juventus 1, Spal 0. Wonderful goal from Pjanic just on the stroke of half-time. Uh, five games underway over in German Bundesliga. Wolfsburg have taken the lead at Mainz after 17. Uh, and Bayern Munich just gone ahead against Paderborn as well. The away goals having it at the moment. Uh, there is the uh, Madrid derby to look forward to a little later on in proceedings and plenty of football as well uh, Rugby World Cup three games concluded today I'm trying to remember who's on tomorrow can you remember who's on of tomorrow of course the big one Australia take on Wales uh, tomorrow Tom so uh, I'll give you the exact time but as you say a lot of dramas in today's Rugby World Cup and who knows we could be set for another couple of upsets but of course the big one this afternoon was Japan beating Ireland uh, 19 points to 12. And tomorrow we've got Georgia taking on Uruguay. That game kicks off at uh, quarter past nine UAE time tomorrow morning. Of course, Uruguay upsetting Fiji early on this week. And then the big one tomorrow, 11.45. I'm sure there will be a lot of Australians phoning in sick. <laughs> Australia take on Wales at 11.45 tomorrow morning, of course. That is going to be an absolute humdinger. Uh, you mentioned Japan there. Look, they didn't need the victory today to get them any more excited. Uh, they had that opening day victory on the opening day of the tournament last Friday. They're two out of two in the tournament though thus far. And I think it's fair to say that the fans have taken them to heart. So the eyes of the rugby world fall on Tokyo, fall on these chosen few. Tonight, Japan and Russia take centre stage. This is the first time it's been held away from one of the traditional hosts. I'm personally looking forward to it. I think we will get to the quarterfinals. 
first tester. Oh, he's miscalculated that horribly. Oh. And racing onto it. Goloznitski. First try of the Rugby World Cup. It's gone the way of the Russians. Russians on red alert right now. And the ball being spread. Oh, Dangerous times. Ball. What an offload that is. What a try this will be. Matsushima into the corner. Japan on the scoreboard. A nation in raptures. Thirteenth phase of possession. Width on the outside. Space for Matsushima. He'll grab this one. And Japan take the lead as we head to halftime. I'm feeling nervous at the moment, but I still believe Japan will win. Oh, he's away. The intercept. They're off. Japan. Searching for more tries, searching for points, and Lobeskakhny has got the legs. And they're charging around the outside, and Matsushima is heading for a hat-trick! And Japan launched their World Cup in style, full-time. Japan 30, Russia 10. Yeah. I thought they would beat Russia more easily, but Russia came at us hard. The World Cup is going to be tough. It's awesome. We're currently on a high, like a super emotional high. It is a brilliant World Cup. It has delivered in the first eight days, I'm sure. There are more storylines to come out of it. Try and put it into context, if we can, uh, Carlos van Rosenfeld. Uh, uh, I mean, you're a, you're a man who's been on the receiving end of the uh, Japanese <laughs> surprises in the past. It's taken four years, Tom, four years. And what could happen in the quarters? We could, we, could, uh, we could meet Japan, and wouldn't I love that? I'll tell you what, at the moment, if Japan goes on to beat Scotland, they've beaten Russia. I think they've got, they, they, got a very good chance of, of beating Scotland, and then they've still got Samoa to play. If they end top of Pool A, of course, they will play second place in Pool B. At this moment in time, I think South Africa, our toughest game will be against Italy. We should see Italy will end second in that group, which means that's a lovely little quarterfinal between uh, South Africa and Japan to make the semis. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we'd happily welcome that. Uh, Japan beat South Africa last World Cup. Japan mm -hmm. beat Ireland today. Bigger shock? Oh, this is South Africa, yeah. I think. I mean, even though Ireland kind of went into the tournament as the, what, the world number two ranked side, I think, for Japan. I think, cause, I mean, four years ago, so they were four years younger in their development, of course. They, do have, they did have home advantage. I mean, the atmosphere in the game this morning was absolutely tremendous. They were roared on home. Uh, by that home support there. So I just put it, you know, South Africa standing in the game, two-time world champions, but still a, a, a tremendous result, I suppose, for world rugby on the whole to have a second-tier nation defeating a first-tier nation in this World Cup. And hopefully it'll just kind of give them even more encouragement mm. to continue bringing players through, to maybe just continue to make a name for themselves, just to add another another name, maybe even eventually to the first tier of uh, world rugby. More shocks in the world of sport throughout the rest of the day. I'm sure there will be a few. Danny Norton, thank you very much indeed for coming down and holding uh, holding court on all things football. Much appreciated. Pleasure as ever, Tom. CBR, thanks for coming down and watching uh, the Springboks. Always a pleasure, Tom. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks also to all the team back at house for looking after us, keeping us on air. Uh, and 
enjoying the fish and chips. Well, thanks very much indeed, fellas, uh, for all of that. Benji, well done. You've done a, a sterling job, as has Viva Las Vegas back in the studio. Uh, we're going to be back here again next week. Three till six uh, is when we will be here. Do join us uh, for more sporting intrigue. There's only one way we can play out, though, isn't there? Surely there's only one way we can play out. I can pretty much guarantee these highlights will be on a loop over in Japan not just tonight, but probably for the next four years. The Shizuoka Stadium Ekopa. It's the second weekend at the Rugby World Cup. And Japan, who opened proceedings on the first weekend, they play Ireland today. And what a special game it is. what they call a free play Carthy again towards that right wing oh that's brilliantly taken by Gary Ringrose and the kick by Jack Carthy gets its reward he's tried it before this time it leads directly to the try the closer Ireland get to the try line the less inclined they are to move it, it's the free play, it's going to be... Is it? The try for... Is that Peter Romani then? No, it's not Peter Romani, Keith Earls. Yeah. But the whistle's gone, I think. So there's no knock-on. Down to Rob Carney. And the grounding was fine, according to Matt Carley, far side. That's a try. Jimeno with that drive, advantage Japan, free play, Tanaka looks up, Lafayette, it's going to be the try for the new player, Kenki Fukuoka, just on, just over, Japan take the lead. Luke Tamora's seventh kick at goal. Four successes. A fifth success. There is Luke McGrath. Interception. And Japan are away. Have they got the pace to do it? Fukuoka again on his own. Brilliant tackle no, by Keith Earls. Earls knocks on. We're into overtime. Murray Island have to play, or at least keep it on the field. All Japan have to do. No, Carberry's put it out. The game is over. It will go down as a second magnificent day in Japanese rugby. Perhaps even better than the day when they beat South Africa. Here in their home World Cup, on their own turf. They have beaten the number two side in the world, Ireland. What a victory for Japan. They have won by 19 points to 12. This is The Grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook.